Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Not 24, not 40, but there were 66 different masseuses. What will the NFL do? Even if it's not criminal. It's a really, really weird thing. Help me understand. You went to nobody twice? Once he stepped in, because I think he's probably one of the most disrespected players in some time. He's going to have to get it going in order for Golden State to win this series. Like, guys, we just got to play better. It's not too many adjustments we need to make. I couldn't not be happier for a guy getting an opportunity to be a head coach as I have been for this guy. Bubba McDowell joins us. Thank you for all the, the best. You, I mean, you've been in my corner, big dog. You know, I appreciate that. I've been under pressure you know, pretty much all my life. Just, just to play this game is, is a lot of pressure. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Mama, there goes that man. You Ladies and gentlemen, star of our show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad that you have joined us for another edition, and we have a great one coming up for you. But first, a big shout out to all the people who are listening for the very first time. Welcome aboard, and we hope that you make us a part of your podcast menu, your rotation, whatever that looks like. We want to be a part of that. In addition to that, I want to send a big shout out to all of the people who listen to every episode, who are part of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group on Facebook, who like, comment, share. We want to send a big shout out to you guys. And finally, a big shout out to anyone in the United States who is enjoying temperatures below 95 degrees because we here in Houston will not know that feeling until probably November. So that being said, welcome aboard. Have a great show coming up for you. I'm going to run that down. But first, let me tell you how you can be more interactive with the show. And that's important because that's how we build this community because uh, you guys have interacted and we want more of you to be a part of that. You can call the sports line 24 hours a day, 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. In addition to that, you can uh, tweet me at Wadesworth, W-A-D-E-S-W-O. And, of course, on Facebook, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page. You can be a part of the group page and like the fan page. But the group page is really fun because people post every day. I post poll questions from time to time. There's a lot of activity, and we want you to be a part of that. And feel free to comment yourself and be a part of that. So let's do that. Okay? We got it? Good. So this time out, we have a conversation with Prairie View NM head coach Byron Smith. We talked to him a couple episodes ago, got his take on the NBA finals. We're going to get his take on the remainder of this series. So that should be a fun conversation. In addition to that, we're going to hit you with some headlines. And we're going to do a We the People segment where I hear from you guys. And also, there's going to be on the Mono Award for the big dummy or dummies of the episode. So all that's coming up, a lot to get into, and there are a few other special things that you'll hear throughout. So that's fun. Won't tip my hand on that, although you know if you've listened before, you know. So with that, let's get into some headlines. 
In headlines, there are a lot of things to get into, including the NBA Finals. But again, I will start with the Houston Astros. Astros come up with a huge win last night after trailing 3-1 to one heading into the eighth inning. One bonehead defensive decision by the Rangers and a number of key hits, including a Kyle Tucker home run, gave the Astros a four-run top of the eighth and ended a three-game losing streak against our arch rivals or their arch rivals. Maybe not. Is it the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Rangers? I guess for the regular season, it's the Rangers. I mean, hey, we generally don't like anything north of Centerville. So there's that <laughs> when you talk about the, the rivalry Houston has with the Metroplex on, on everything, at least from our perspective. I don't know if they see it the same way. But nonetheless, the big win for them, they end a three-game losing streak. They've lost a couple series, the last two series they've lost. And one of the things Dusty Baker talks about is not having extended losing streaks, that being a key to winning the division. And although three, four games is not a, an extended losing streak you don't want to have a bunch of those mixed in and a big win in the division to keep uh, the rangers at bay i mean they're at bay anyway but you don't want them even getting close and although it's june you still want to enjoy that lead so astros doing that thing luis garcia is on the mound this afternoon and has already enjoyed an immaculate inning you say okay what is an immaculate inning an immaculate inning is nine pitches three batters Three strikes each, nothing more, nothing less. Got it done. Luis Garcia, they are enjoying a lead. I don't know. It's late in that game. I want to see it in the sixth or seventh inning. Uh, we'll have to check in on that. But also, the NBA Finals. The Golden State Warriors are a game away from winning it all. And I called it Golden State in six. That was my call. It hadn't gone the way that I thought. And it really didn't go the way that I thought it would go the other night when you look at the fact that Steph Curry, for the first time in playoff history, which is an extensive history, he did not hit a three-point field goal. 0 for 9 from three-point land for Steph. He was 7 of 22. He still finished with 16 points. He also had eight assists, but it was not his night. And if you tell the Boston Celtics going into that game, that the Golden State Warriors would be 9 of 40 from three-point range, you'd be like, hey, we're going back to Boston. Get the champagne ready. We're going to try to win this in the Boston Garden. Uh, Not so fast because Andrew Wiggins stepped up in a major way, 26 points, 13 rebounds. It was a a really a game that both teams, either team that would have lost the game would have said, man, we really blew this one. And I think you can really say that when you had that kind of shooting performance. I mean, from three-point land, the Celtics weren't much better. They shot 34% from three. And you just didn't get enough when you needed it from Jason Tatum. He finished with 27, but down the stretch, he just he, they get, didn't get it done. You look at Jalen Brown had 18, Marcus Smart had 20, but he got out of his game, got a technical. There was a, a lot in the way of a breakdown in that game, not, not a major breakdown, but just sort of getting distracted and starting to get into it with the officials. And they just, when they had their chances and they took the lead in the third quarter, you thought, okay, boy, we're in for a fight. But Golden State came out in the fourth and really got it done. 
And I tell you, it, it's been really, really entertaining. And I think Andrew Wiggins has been a, a wonderful player to watch. I mean, there have been so many guys and so many performances throughout that have been impressive to me. Robert Williams, the third for the Celtics, has been really impressive, even though he's not 100%. And what he does He's doing a tremendous job. When you look at Gary Payton the second, I think his contributions on the defensive side have been great. He also he picked up 15 points the other night and just was an irritant for the Boston Celtics. And he was the one that essentially, I mean, he kind of flopped. I mean, he really did. But uh, I think that he and his uh, his big shot at the end of the third and he irritating the uh, the Boston Celtics really helped that team out. Clay had 21. I think we have, or I've had expectations that we would see the old Clay, and it's just maybe it's just too soon after coming off being out of the league for two years essentially because of leg injuries. I mean, it's been tough for Clay, and to return, he shot fifty percent from the field. He was five of eleven from three point land. But again, you know, he we I maybe it's just unrealistic expectations. But he had twenty one points, so he had a good game. And then of course Draymond. I think at the end of game four, the final quarter, which he was up and down, he was in and out of the game because he was benched a little bit, and that was, I'm sure, an ego shot for him. But he got it together, and he played the kind of game they needed him to play. There were plus 11 with him in the game. He did foul out, but he had eight points. He also had six assists and seven rebounds. So he did what he needed to do and almost got another technical drawn um, on Jason Tatum, who got a little irritated with him. So great series. It's just been seesaw game to game, although this is the first time this postseason that the Celtics have lost back-to-back games. I would love to say, and I predicted the Golden State Warriors in six, I think they will close it out. I do think they will close it out. I see that the Celtics just are not closing the games out when they need to. And obviously they've had big fourth quarters the first three or four games. Or I guess the first three games, I think that they were really, really much better than the, the Golden State Warriors. I think one of those games, it was kind of trash time, so it didn't really matter that they outscored the Golden State Warriors in the fourth. But I think they kind of wilted. And it was, it was surprising to see down the stretch they couldn't get it done. Of course, you know, Golden State with guys like Draymond, Clay, and Steph have NBA Finals pedigree, so they know what to do and when to do it. Give us your take on that, 832-941-6614. There are a couple of other things I want to get to in headlines, including Jack Del Rio. He was fined $100,000 by the Washington Commanders, head coach Ron Rivera and the Washington Commanders, for a tweet essentially saying that the insurrection on January 6th was just a dust-up. They were just visitors to the Capitol. Now, he didn't say that part, but he said it was a dust-up. And he sort of compared it to the protest following the murder of George Floyd, which you could talk a little bit about, well, uh, you know, were there p- folks infiltrating those th- those protests that really had other interests? Uh, I mean, you can get next level with what really happened with the rioting. There was a lot of rioting. There were deaths involved. That part, nobody endorses. Nobody's ever endorsed that, but it happened. But for him to equate, which uh, on January 6th, that lives were lost as a result. And a lot of law enforcement folks from the Capitol Police Department were injured and hurt. And it, it was a it, it was a horrible, horrible day. These folks really, really for real, for real, for real, tried to overthrow the election in the government. 
And God knows what would have happened if they would have got their hands on Pelosi or AOC or Mike Pence. But it was a dust up in the eyes of Jack Del Rio. So let me tell you this, and I, I'm catching it on all ends. I guess that speaks to, I guess more people are, are really moved one way or another by things that I say. But I've been catching it on Twitter and on Facebook, people saying all sorts of things about my opinions on this. So here's my opinion on Jack Del Rio. Now, free speech, that was brought up. Oh, he, he, how can you get fined for free speech? This is America. Well, we know that free speech is free until it costs you on your gig. There are consequences to free speech. You can say whatever you want to say, but be ready to catch the flag or, or the results of what you did. And if you are the Washington commanders, you're already under enough pressure. They're trying to probably get rid of the owner. There's a culture of, I mean, there's been a culture of sexism and sexual harassment allegedly in that organization. There's a lot going on with them with the name change. It's just a bad, bad situation up there as it is. And for you to be a coach in the DMV, in that area, and you say something like that, where those people are connected to people who are at the Capitol, who are hurt and harmed by the events of January the 6th. For you to say that, if I'm the Washington Commanders, I'm finding your ass too. <laughs> you, you cannot. We don't need this, bro. Now, you look, go, and I said this to whomever I was responding to that, hey, he could have went into his Proud Boys chat room and said that, and we would have been none the wiser. Nobody would have known how he felt. But it seems like things are dribbling out about what kind of guy Jack Del Rio really is. But should he have been fired? I'm going to say no. And they'll say, well, Colin Kaepernick, he didn't get another job. He was blackballed. He was never cut for what he said. Now, again, I, you, that's semantics because he was not hired because of his stance. And, and one of the great injustices of this century, we'll look back on the fact that he was blackballed and his career was ended by NFL owners. Hopefully, maybe the Raiders will sign him, but maybe not. But nonetheless, he paid the price for his free speech. Why shouldn't Jack Del Rio? Well, again, you got to be careful when you start to do this sort of thing. And I can say this because I'm in the media. And I know a lot of people who've lost jobs because of stuff they said on the air. Mistakes they made, things they didn't think through, things that they just they, they were wrong about. And they cost them their livelihood. I don't think he should be fired for that unless his players don't respond. Now, they said that Del Rio has apologized and it was well received by the team. So that being said, maybe they can move forward. I do think that he's not the only one of his ilk in the NFL. And I think that there are people on everybody's job that have views that are different from yours. Now, if he had said something clearly racist, that revealed something that was truly racist. You can nuance this conversation, this false equivalence. You can nuance that. Like I feel, we feel like or a lot of people feel like it's racist. But if if you don't come out and say something blatantly racist, if you do that, then you need to lose your gig because you, that shows that you can't function fairly in your workplace. So you know that's how I feel about that. Give me your thoughts on that. Eight three two nine four one six six one four. Yeah, I, I don't like what he said. I mean, because look, I'm really upset, and I've been watching the hearings, and you know, you guys know I've commented on this stuff in, on various platforms, and I've said that you know they tried to overthrow the government. I don't think we are listening enough to that situation, but Jack Del Rio, 
He brings that into the NFL locker room by doing what he did. Ron Rivera was stern about it. Uh, Del Rio took the L, took the $100,000 fine, and they are going to give that $100,000 to the families of the Capitol Police, people who are affected because of health situations caused by the injuries and, and, and all sorts of stuff related to the damage they incurred on January the 6th. So he, he didn't quit. If he felt that strong about it, he could have quit. And I know some people say, well, we need to have a dialogue with him. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Maybe he's receptive, maybe he's not. Either way, if he can function in his job, because have you, ask yourself, have you ever worked for somebody you felt was racist or sexist or some ist that, that you had to work with? They didn't get fired. Or, you know, you know how you, you, you get a sense of how they are. And, and, of course, you can't quit a job every time you come across somebody that you feel like, you know, most people are not in a position to just walk away if they come across that unless it's blatant and it affects your job performance. These comments will probably not affect how he does his job as a coach for the commanders, but that's up for the guys in the locker room to determine. And if that team gets away from him, if those guys don't respond to him, I don't think Ron Rivera will have any problem getting rid of him. Finally, I want to talk about this in headlines. Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson came out in the media yesterday and, uh, Look, he's saying all the right things, I think. I thought for the first time he acknowledged that, okay, uh, just the the impact of all of these allegations uh, is triggering to a lot of people. He said that. Now, again, he's saying what he has to say. I didn't do anything wrong. I told them the truth. I told the NFL the truth. We'll have to see what the NFL decides to do. But here's the deal, and, and I've had this discussion. And there are so many people that think he's a victim of a mass conspiracy. That it's just the Texans have done this to him. So and this is what comes up. And I really question, like, are you mad that it came out? Because it seems like you're madder that it came out than then he did it. And then the other thing that seems to come up is it seems like a lot of people think that masseuses are inherently prostitutes. I mean, just low-key prostitutes. Well, I mean, I don't doubt that maybe there's some of that somewhere. I don't think 66 people or what, 60 plus people are all prostitutes. Now, again, maybe I'm naive, but you're essentially saying, and, and, and if they were, you nobody took the money. Nobody, I, I don't, I, again, these are some, some really hectic discussions, but. I think people are madder at the revelation. How did this come about? They knew what he was doing, but he was doing it. (laughs) I mean, and again, what he's done is not criminal, but what he has done apparently, and we'll find out in civil court, is not necessarily appropriate. I mean, it's just, it's just not the proposition, whatever, whatever, the proposition is the proposition, but when you have a situation where you know, some of the stuff happened, if it happened, if some of the stuff that they say happened, happened very, it's not a good look. It's not good at all, but let's not be madder at the revelation and the behavior. We got to stop that. He has to be accountable for, for that. A lot of people mad at me about that one. Like, because I'm not on board with just saying, first of all, it makes no sense. And I've said this over and over again. It makes no sense for the Houston Texans to sabotage their only asset 
some people think, oh, well, these billionaires don't care. They're going to show this N-word how to behave. Bro, this is not 1950s. I just don't believe billionaires. I just don't think that you would cut off your nose to spite your face. Now, again, these are conversations that I'm not privy to within the organization. But it's my understanding that he personally contacted these people. It wasn't the organization. It was him. Now, they're implicated now by providing NDAs and setting them up with a suite in the Houstonian. And maybe more will come out. But you can't excuse inappropriate behavior just because somebody told on him. That's almost like, hey, no snitching, no snitching. Now, again, no criminal behavior. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm smarter than the, the grand jury that sat through all of this information that was provided to them. I'm not saying he's guilty of anything. Uh, let's see what the NFL says. Let's see what you say. Give me a call, 832-941-6614. Going to take time out. When we come back, we're going to have a We the People segment. We still have Byron Smith coming up, head coach of the Prairie View NM Panthers, and we'll talk some NBA finals with him and a whole lot more. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast. For more content, go to wadeswordproductions.com. Your children are the most precious gift God has given you. Their well-being is of the utmost importance, and finding childcare that exhibits the same belief is, well, non-negotiable. So why not end your search at Brighter Brains Learning Center? Located in Stafford, Texas, Brighter Brains is a licensed, family-owned and operated daycare that promotes an early educational foundation and provides an environment of love, safety, and quality care for children ages 6 weeks to 5 years old. For more information, call 346-328-3717 or visit brighterbrainslearningcenter.org. Time for We the People. In the We the People segment, we hear from you guys, courtesy of the Sports Line. Sometimes we'll ask poll questions, and I have recently. But in addition to that, we check the phone lines at 832-941-6614. I encourage more of you to do that. And I said this, and I think I did it on a Facebook Live, that I am going to find a way to reward folks that call uh, I have maybe a, maybe some gifts, maybe a T-shirt, maybe a coffee mug. We'll have to see. I do have some swag. I may have to figure out a way. We're going to do a live remote. We'll figure that one out as well. But let's go ahead and go to the phone lines and see what we have. Hey, what's going on, Devin? This is Pernell Harvey. I had a couple of questions about the Pelicans. You know, that's my team. But I see that Zion, he's up for a max deal. I mean, it's like, do you think he's worth it, considering that he's missed a lot of games, number one? And then number two... I mean, it's like, should it be an, an incentive-laden contract because he's missed so many games? I mean, I'm not trying to begrudge him his money, but it's just that, you know, this cat, they made it to the playoffs last year without him. So, I mean, so so I don't know. The other thing is, is that, you know, just with, with the NBA playoffs, I mean, it's like, it's kind of been back and forth, but I'm still going with the Warriors only because I think they'll, they'll have the edge even with Draymond not really contributing at all, but I'm curious to see how, how this game Monday shakes out. 
anyway, thanks as always for taking my call. Thanks, Pernell, for checking in. We certainly appreciate it. You know what? We were just having, I was just having this discussion about Zion and should you max him out? What, what should you do with him? Obviously, an ideal world for a guy who may not finish. If you're the organization, you want an incentive-laden deal. But that's not today's NBA. It's pretty much all, just about all or nothing. And I think given the organization, because it's New Orleans, and you're not going to get a lot of big-name free agents trying to knock down the door to come here. Matter of fact, the last high-profile guy, really, really high-profile guy you had, Anthony Davis, he just quit on the team because he wanted to go to L.A. And again, that you know, those teams they were they were going to build something around him. They were working on things to make his situation better. He didn't want to stick around for that because I think it's New Orleans. You need that name and that recognition and that energy that Zion brings, and you just have to hope for the best. You have to hire the best uh, health and medical training staff you have. I mean, you have to do whatever you can to keep him healthy and on the floor. But I think you do have to pay him because if you don't, yeah, you have some exciting pieces. You have McCollum and you, uh, of course you have Brandon Ingram who, I mean, just got to love how he plays, but you need that next level. I mean, look at Houston and and I know Houston is in rebuild mode, but we went from a city that was on the NBA map to being a, a, afterthought i mean just not even on the map at all and you remember as a houston fan i think a lot of folks can remember that time before dwight howard got here and it was after yao ming what are, what are they gonna do how are they gonna draw in how are they gonna get free agents to to come where well, they were able to get howard they were able to get uh, through trade uh, with uh oklahoma city they were able to get uh, james harden and that changed the fortunes of the franchise. It really did. And so I think if you're New Orleans, you have to give him what he wants and just hope it's not another Sam Bowie uh, situation. Uh, Sam Bowie, of course, uh, the, the standout in college. I mean, this is a long, long time ago. Standout in college, one of the twin towers at Kentucky, went to Portland and never could get it going because of health. He in his career was ended short, but – Zion, when he's on the court, he's a special, special guy. And, again, he attracts the kind of attention that keeps you on the map in the NBA. Let's see what we have next. Yo, D-Wade, it's your boy Nate Jones, man. I might become one of your more frequent callers, man. I might use your show as an opportunity. And I don't know if you're going to put out this on the air, man. I really don't even matter. I just might call in and chime in with my perspective in case you do end up using some of this. But this how it's going to go. I want to talk real quick about Draymond Green again. I'm fascinated by the whole Draymond Green, him doing all this talk because it's good. I think it's good. It's good to have NBA players chime in with what they think instead of like, I'd rather listen to what NBA players actually think than Stephen A or Michelle and Sean James and Nick Long or any of them people. So it's good that Draymond is talking in part to a degree. But I think in part, Draymond picking fights off the court because he's not winning fights on the court. I think it's helping him deal with the fact that, man, he in a situation right now where he, I think deep down, Draymond know they're not going to win this series. That's a theory of mine. That's a hot take, man. I think Draymond know he's going to lose this series. He's going to go out with a bang. He's going to let everybody know how he feels because I think deep down, he knows that he can't get in the Celtics head. Hey, everybody on the Celtics is ready for his ass. But, so the only people he can really go at is old schoolers and people in the media, people that ain't on the court. So I think that's what it is. Draymond running his mouth. 
more and more because he know deep down the is in the that ass. Peace. Want to thank Nate for checking in. We always appreciate hearing from Nate. And what he said at the beginning of that call, I, that's what we had before. That's why we had a sports line. You can just call and vent. That's not a problem. Call anytime you want. Some of it may get used. Some of it may not make the podcast. But it, that's what it's there for. So I encourage all of you to do what Nate has done. But let's talk a little bit about some of the things he was talking about. He was talking about players in the media and players doing their own podcast and in the podcast that Draymond is doing, which caused some controversy with traditional quote unquote, traditional media. And let me say this. I think it's great that these guys have these outlets and they can speak directly to the people, but I still think it may be a self-serving for me. I think there's a place and a necessity to have mainstream traditional media also. You can listen to those shows and you'll have snippets that are very interesting. But a lot of times these conversations, they meander, they go places. They, they don't really address some of the things that people really want to know after a um, amount of time. Although, like, some of these shows last two hours or whatever. I mean, they go a long, long time. But, I, I mean, I think some of them are better than others. But I do think, by and large, it's great for the players to get their message across. You look at LeBron in the shop, and not only the athletes, but the entertainers he's able to bring in. I think that when you come into it as a player or as an entertainer, somebody in the, the arena, there's an inherent trust that, okay, he's not out to get me. He's not going to put me in a position to look bad. Where I think there's an adversary. We just had this conversation on KTSU Sports Talk. There's an adversarial relationship between the media and the players in a lot of situations. And a lot of players feel guarded about that. But you need mainstream media because we provide perspective and historical references and an understanding more than just what you'll get if you're in the center of the storm. Sometimes you can't be in the picture and, and understand the picture. Sometimes you have to be outside of that and provide perspective. So I, I'm, I applaud their voices. And, and, I, and some are better than others. Like some are really, really good. Some are entertaining. Some are like, it, it's just no real research done. There's no preparation done. You just get there and chop it up. And that's cool too. But I think you have to have a need for both of those things when you talk about the media. So there's room for both. And I think that you should respect both, I think. I think that you should, most mainstream media people, I think you should trust. Like anything else, you know, you have to figure it out. You have to figure out who the people are that are credible, who provide the sort of information and insight that you find useful. So there's that. Um, he talked about <laughs> Draymond creating a diversion because he thought he was going to lo lose. And that's the thing about calling the sports line. It's time stamped. So at the time he said it, I think that had to be before game five. Because Draymond clearly, and I would have told him this before the call, I don't think that's it. I think he was frustrated. I think the Boston Celtics create a unique challenge to the Golden State team because they're so long and athletic and hard to, to get around. I think you see that with Clay. Clay having a tough time in this series. I think going to the hole and, and going deep, you got Robert Williams down there. You have Brown and Tatum. They're so long, and they're hard to, to score against. And so I think that Draymond is catching hell because he's undersized compared to those guys. But I don't think that he ever thought uh, <laughs> that, oh, no, nah, well, let me start some because we're not going to win this series. I don't think that was it. But I'm glad it, Nate called. He also called and mentioned that he wanted to come on the show. 
So we may do a segment with you, Nate, where we uh, have you come in. And if we do something live, for sure, I'm going to have a microphone set up where you guys can come up and we can converse on a live show. So we may work something out like that, and we may work something out uh, as it pertains to maybe a fundraiser for the podcast where we maybe uh, give you an opportunity to bid on coming on the show, stuff like that. But we'll, we'll try to get Nate on, and we certainly appreciate him calling. want to hear from more of you guys more consistently, 832-941-6614. Going to take a time out come back with our conversation with Byron Smith, head basketball coach of the Prairie View and m Panthers. That and a Lamont Award on this Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anyway, you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. SoundCloud and on Instagram, Soul Control. They just had a big event and it went really well. So uh, check my guy out in or around the greater Houston area. Definitely want to do that. You do it once, you'll do it again. I guarantee you that. Um, before we get into our conversation with Purview AM head basketball coach Byron Smith, want to talk about a couple things. Serena, Serena's back. She's playing in Wimbledon. I don't know what that means. I, it's hard to imagine. It's been a year since she's played competitively. It's hard to imagine, but it's great to see her. And I'll be all eyes. My neck will be going back and forth. Actually, not on the television broadcast, but <laughs> we'll be following the bouncing ball. And good luck to her. See what she can do. Coming off a, a situation where Coco Golf went to the finals of the French Open. So congratulations to her. I'll tell you, uh, the other young ladies, uh, Madison Keys. Taylor Townsend, two ladies who did well in the doubles at the French. And also, who else? There's a couple others. I don't know what Naomi Osaka is going to do. I don't know what's going to happen with some of the women. I mean, this, they always are just kind of in and out depending on what's going on. And, uh, yeah, it'll be very interesting. But Serena's playing, so that is a, a good, good thing. Also, Brittany Griner's stay in a Russian detention situation is extended to – 
at least July the 2nd. And again, it's not that I don't want to rally and, you know, you want to keep her name out there, but there's nothing you can do when you're talking about a tyrant. I mean, he's a modern day, honestly, the way that they are conducting themselves, it's very Hitler-ish. You know, he's exterminating civilians. I mean, he's really, really doing a lot of damage in Ukraine and he has a lot on his plate. He's not thinking about that situation other than, is this a bargaining chip that I can use? Hopefully she can come home, though. I mean, I know a lot of people are trying to get her home. But again, at this point, I just think that he has the intent on toying with that situation. Maybe had things been in a more peaceful state pre-war, I think she would have been home. I mean, I think it would have been a done deal. She may not have been allowed to come back, but she would have been home. With everything that's going on with the United States supplying weapons to fight the Russian army, what incentive does he really have to send her back? I mean, it, it's a humanitarian situation. Well, does that work for him? While at the same time, he's killing babies, women, and old people in Ukraine? I don't know. It's a tough situation, but uh, we'll keep praying for her. You know what? Juneteenth is coming up. And it seems like the whole country has hijacked the Texas holiday. <laughs> I mean, it's just wild. I mean, we've had, like, like Texas is the only place that I've ever heard of Juneteenth celebrations until, of course, last year. And that's a federal holiday, which, okay, that's cool, but it's a Texas thing. I'm, and I, I think that, figure, that everybody's trying to figure out how to celebrate. Well, if you're KTSU, you celebrate by celebrating the 150th birthday of Emancipation Park. I don't know if it was open on that day, but it was purchased 150 years ago, specifically with the intent of having a place where freed slaves could celebrate their emancipation. So Emancipation Park with KTSU is going to have Mays, Sheila E., Cool in the Gang, and the Isley Brothers this weekend. It's going to be a crazy weekend of great celebrations on this Juneteenth. So to the rest of you, I guess welcome aboard this Texas holiday, I guess. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. This is our thing. And like, wait a minute, you, so everybody's going to celebrate what, what the good fortune of Texas? Okay, well, we need to do that 365 days a year, not just on Juneteenth. So with that, let's get into our conversation about the NBA Finals from a guy whose opinion I respect and one of the guys he talked about has stepped to the forefront in this series. I'm talking about Andrew Wiggins. Let's hear what Coach Smith has to say about that and more in this conversation. Back again, and we said we would tap him on the shoulder, and we have from Prairie View A&M University head men's basketball coach Byron Smith. And, Coach, you knew your stuff when you talked about the contributions of Andrew Wiggins. Had a huge night in Game 5. Of course, the Golden State Warriors go up 3-2 with a 104-94 win. And the man of the hour is a guy you talked about early on in Andrew Wiggins. What did you see in Game 5 last night? I just saw, uh, you know, a guy that obviously has always had a ton of talent. Obviously, been the number one pick in the draft. I mean, a lot comes with that. But you know, sometimes it it's it's all about fit. You know, and I think him being in Minnesota when he was there, obviously, it just kind of it didn't come to fruition for him to be the impact guy that he's becoming now. But obviously, with the Warriors and the culture that they have, I think he's just being Andrew Wiggins, and I think he's. Uh, showing that he's, you know, his versatility, his ability to be able to defend. Obviously, he can score in a variety of ways. 
I think he's just kind of coming into his own because I don't think there's a lot of pressure. You just got to be himself. And I think whenever you're in a position where you just have to be yourself, there should be no pressure. I mean, no one knows you better than you and no one can be you better than you. So I think that, you know, on both ends of the floor last night, he was by far the head and shoulders, the best player in the building last night. You know, what he was able to do in terms of offensive rebounding and stick backs and matchup problems that he caused that, you know, having a smaller guy on him or a slower guy on him, he was able to exploit that to his advantage. I just think the job that he does defensively with his length, his ability to be able to move his feet, slide his feet, be able to guard multiple positions. I think all that was on display last night, which, again, in my opinion, made him head and shoulders the best player on the floor. And I think if Steph didn't have the game four that he had, I think uh, the case could be made that he's been the best player overall in the entire series. That and Andrew Wiggins. What he does that I, I mean I noticed and probably should have paid more attention to earlier is that when he goes to the basket, he is both graceful at times and he goes super strong to the hole. Talk a little bit about the way he goes at the basket and some of the things that make him successful. Uh, you know, Devin, to, to be honest with you, I, I think sometimes when you don't beat your chest and you're not loud and you know rambunctious, tension-seeking, a la Draymond Green, I think sometimes, you know, players get a tendency to be labeled as, you know, being non-enthusiastic or, uh, you know, not really caring. But everyone's got different styles. And I think that, you know, again, you know, here's a guy that's got an unbelievably quick first step. Not many guys can stay with Andrew Wiggins uh, off the bounce with his first step. He's six seven, which I think sometimes may go unnoticed. Uh, his wingspan is well over seven feet. So if you got a quick first step, you got, you know, length, uh, and you can kind of jump over the shot clock. I don't think you have to beat your chest and scream a lot, a lot. I think that you're very impactful. You know, I, I just think that, you know, he is a he's the total package now, you know, and he doesn't do it loudly. I mean, he's kind of like the tiptoe bandit a little bit. He tiptoes a lot, but then you look up and boom, it's an explosive play. And even after the even after he delivers something major, you know, it's just not a lot of uh, antics with it. You know, he's just a quiet guy by nature. Doesn't really say a lot and just soft spoken, but just does a lot of great things. I mean, I'm I, I liked him when he came out of Kansas. Obviously, you know, you know, watched his dad years ago play for the Rockets, and it's unfortunate how his career turned out. But you know, you're seeing a lot of 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 young young Andrew, you know, in his dad in terms of his ability to be able to defend. Although Mitchell Wiggins, obviously former great Rocket, smaller, six four, but just long and could defend and very athletic as 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 Andrew is. I just think that, like I say, he's just kind of come full circle, getting an opportunity again to be himself. You know, not feeling the pressure of having to be the guy going into a game, but at the end of the game, coming out being the guy in several of these games, it's just a beautiful thing to watch. I think for any young person that's watching it, life is about a fit, right? You know, a bird and a fish can fall in love, but where are they going to make a home, right? Fish can't live out of water, bird can't live in water. So I think that Andrew Wiggins has found the right fit, you know, from a culture standpoint, a team standpoint, an environment standpoint. And I think that, you know, his God-given ability is just rising to the top, rising to the occasion, and he's just showing everyone the player that we thought that he was when he came out, you know, seven, eight years ago. Uh, he's just showing everyone that, you know, that he is as good as advertised, just in a better environment. Well, it, it seemed to me, and maybe this is the national sentiment as well, but when he got to Golden State, he was sort of a stopgap uh, waiting for sort of Clay to return. It didn't mm -hmm. seem like this was going to be a permanent fit, but maybe the organization, right. obviously the organization knew better and have really made him a part of maybe not the big three, but I mean, part of a ensemble cast of talented basketball players. Did you think the same thing when he came over that this would be a, like a more permanent stop? Or did you think that this was a stopgap while the Golden State Warriors nursed Clay Thompson back to health? 
I did. I, I think the the uh, the latter that I thought that it was a stopgap that they were just kind of you know not sure maybe trying out a few guys Otto Porter, you know obviously Wiggins a few other guys you know the past couple of years so I definitely didn't think that he was representing what Kevin Durant brought in when in the big three I definitely didn't see that but obviously you know you had to have an idea that they felt they saw something you know because obviously being the number one pick the salary that he had a max contract coming in that he obviously wasn't going to be coming off the bench making that type of money because it doesn't make sense. The NBA doesn't work that way. Professional sports doesn't work that way. They're paying you that kind of money. You know, you, you're going to play. You're going to be productive in terms of the minutes uh, or, or it can be a problem. I do think that, obviously, they're smart. And then when you have a culture, I think that you have to talk to the, the culture keepers, the Stephs, the Draymonds, uh, you know, even Clay. you know, obviously being injured. Is this a guy that you want to play with? Is this a guy that you see fitting into how we play? But, and I think that they checked all the boxes because of his personality. Devin, that he's a an easygoing guy. He's not a locker room lawyer from what the, the, all the descriptions of him is that he, what you get on the court in terms of not talking a lot, just kind of how it is. That's his nature. But he fit from that standpoint in terms of the locker room, which I think is important for the Warriors. But then at the same time, they knew that his talent was there. So I, I feel that Andrew, along with maybe one other person, maybe an, an Otto Porter or a Gary Payton Jr., collectively could kind of offset the loss of, of Clay Thompson. But I think it kind of backfired in a good way. And the fact that maybe he right now he does represent what Kevin Durant brought to the organization when he was there with the two championships. Obviously not the player that Kevin Durant is, but having the same a similar impact of what Kevin Durant had when he was with the Warriors. I want to ask you about Boston. When you have a night in which Steph does not make a three-pointer, you're talking about a team that was woeful, 9 of 40 from three-point range, could not hit anything from the perimeter pretty much all game long. And you still can't get a victory in that situation. How frustrating is this loss for the Boston Celtics? I think it's extremely frustrating. I think they realized that, you know, obviously they didn't play poorly. I mean, they made shots. I think it was just the, the grit and grind of the Warriors. It just guys stepped up and guys made plays and Poole made some tough shots. And Gary Payton Jr. came in. His defense was stellar. And obviously, with, you know, we, the person we're talking about, you know, starting to show off with Andrew Wiggins was just unbelievable. Draymond, statistically, didn't do a lot with eight points, eight rebounds, I think six assists, but just his energy, his defense, galvanizing the team. I think that that's, that speaks loudly about the Warriors and their culture, but about the Celtics, it has to be disappointing. But, you know, I mean, this is why, you know, the finals, it's the best team on that particular night. And I just think that, you know, they came up a little bit short. I think it's going to be interesting in game five that they go back, six that we go back to, excuse me. Um, and I think that they realize that they, they, kind of let a, a great opportunity slip through their hands. Uh, I know they're disappointed, but I, I'm pretty sure that they're going to get back, probably back in Boston now and you know, probably out on the court going over some things, making some corrections, some adjustments. Uh, I think you're going to see an unbelievable game six. Uh, I think it can go either way. But, but I do know Boston is probably kind of kicking themselves a little bit, saying we probably let one slip through our fingers and we got to make up for it game six. Well, you talk about a guy beating his chest and, and, and taking up a lot of oxygen in the room in Draymond Green. It seems late in game four and in game five, he returned more to the Draymond the Golden State Warriors need him to be. What do you uh, what what how do you assess his sort of progression from really playing really really bad in uh, game three and probably three quarters of game four, uh, and now you, you see him getting himself back together in the last let's say five quarters. I think Devin that energy and passion and enthusiasm is a stat. It's just a statistical category that doesn't show up on the box score. But I think that you know you could be impactful, and obviously he's impactful that way. I mean, I liken Draymond not getting great numbers, 
But I think it, it, I like it in how he, uh, what the, the the comfort that he gives the Warriors, kind of like that big brother when you're a little kid, you're on the playground, and you can kind of be a little bit mischievous and go around and kind of, you know, maybe act a little tough because you know you got your big brother over there that's going to bail you out if, if, if you get into trouble. So I think that Draymond, with his antics, with his enthusiasm, his, you know, getting under the skin of the Celtics and things like that, that is like a stat, you know, it's kind of like getting 20 points to them, you know, even though he's far from it. But I think he gives them that comfort and that confidence that, Hey, man, you know what, man, we are here. We, this is our night. You know, Draymond is all over the place. He's getting into it with the other team. He's mouthing off. He's, you know, at the referees and stuff like that. He's just Draymond being Draymond. I think if he's down and if he's on the bench, I think that that's, you know, a minus eight or minus 10 for them. But even him on the court and not really getting doing anything statistically well, just his enthusiasm, his energy, his passion is being, you know, uh, visible. I think that's the equivalent of maybe him giving him 20 points. And it may be a, a kind of a, a strange way of, of coming to that, but that's just kind of how I see it. And uh, and then I, I think it's big for the Warriors. And I think he's going to, have to be like that here on Thursday night to uh, to give them a chance to seal the deal and uh, and get their you know fourth championship uh, in the last uh, seven years. So let's talk a little bit about Boston again. It seems like Tatum and Brown – can't really get it to go get get it together and get it going at the same time. Uh, Tatum ended with 27 points and mm-hmm. Brown with 18. But also mm-hmm. this team just kind of got out of sorts. You saw Marcus Smart get into it with the officials. I mean, it, it was yeah. just a lot going on on that team. They su- seem to unravel. What does that say about this team that not only in this series but throughout? I mean, they really kind of been playing better in the fourth quarter in this series, except for last mm-hmm. night. But throughout they, the season, they have not been a great closing team. What do you attribute that to? I think fatigue plays a part in it, and I think that kind of goes unnoticed. No one's really talking about that. I think both teams are getting tired. Uh, I felt that if Steph had to have a game five the way that he had in game four, I, I thought that there was to the Celtics' advantage. I, I don't. I didn't think Steph would be able to, to maintain that level of play from a fatigue standpoint. And I think what you're saying now is that obviously Boston was throwing haymakers last night, and it's kind of the equivalent of a boxing match. You know, you hit a guy with your best shot, but you don't knock him down. They, their knees wobble a little bit, but you know what? They they still stand up and they, and they're standing eight counting, but you don't knock them out. I think that's kind of what happened with Boston. They gave they were playing as well as they could possibly play. They cut it from 16 to, to take the lead. And then the Warriors just kind of seemed unfazed. So I think that that kind of had a mental effect on them that no matter what we do, this team is standing the test of time. They're not going anywhere. I think fatigue set in. Obviously, I think, you know, Smart kind of being a bit of a distraction with the technical file, uh, the offensive file that he got, and those back-to-back plays, you know, I, I think that hurt uh, the Celtics from a concentration standpoint. The reason I say that because then you saw teammates kind of coming over, Jalen Brown, uh, Al Horford kind of coming over talking to him. I think that took away from their focus and their concentration. I think it took away from their synergy and how they were playing as a team. So I think the fatigue, I think the distractions, and, and I just think that the Warriors just, you know what, uh, refuse to lose mentality. I think that that's in large part the reason why they lost the game on last night. Uh, and I just think that, you know, overall, they're playing a lot of games. They're getting tired late, not being able to finish games and things like that with a few mistakes, shots not falling. A lot of things you can contribute it to. But I think last night in particular, it was fatigue. It was smart, his distractions. And obviously the Warriors um, just refused to lose mentality that they were going to win that game. Uh, I think that contributed to why the score uh, was in the Warriors' favor last night. Well, Steph Curry ended up uh, with 16 points on 7 <laughs> of 22 sh- shooting, 0 for yeah. 9 from three-point. And uh-huh. it seemed to me, and this is sort of my take, and you kind of give me your feedback on this, he didn't press to get involved early. It seemed like he was content 
It seemed like he was the focus, obviously, of Boston's defensive intensity. But it, he didn't look to early on to really get into a rhythm. It seemed like he was content to get other guys involved. Uh, is that what sort of happened, yeah. in your opinion? I, I agree too, two hundred percent, Devin. Let, let me just say this: you know, a lot of a lot of times in basketball, people look at individual stats and accolades to determine a player's impact. I think if you're a real basketball person, I think any coach would tell you. You know, ultimately, you're determined by how much better you make your teammates. And I think what Steph did last night, he was almost like a decoy. Once he kind of saw that the shots weren't fall, hey, it's not my night. And he was tired. Let's make, make no mistake about it. He was tired from, uh, the, uh, you know, playing 40-plus minutes on Friday night, the travel six hours back to the Bay Area, and then turning around playing on Monday nights, short turnaround. He was fatigued. You know, when you miss shots like that, with coming off of making shots the way that he made on Friday night, you're missing the same shots, it's fatigue. It's not focus, not concentration, because you're going to be locked in. And I think the beautiful thing about Steph Curry, which makes him so popular, so respected around the world, every NBA player, they speak about he and LeBron James in the highest form in terms of respect, is that he used himself last night as a decoy to get other people. Andrew Wiggins got 27 points last night, 26, whatever it was, in large part because of Steph, right? Because Steph draws so much attention. He allows you to have one-on-one matchups, which Andrew Wiggins one-on-one, no one's going to be able to guard him right now. Again, with his explosiveness, with his length, with his athleticism, he's a tough matchup. Klay Thompson, if he gets a one-on-one, he's 6'7", six, 6'8", six, he's going to jump up over the top of you and score. Uh, obviously, Jordan Poole, you know, with his ability to be able to the wiggle that he has, but he's very hard to guard off the bounce. He can get to the basket. He's explosive. He can shoot from 30 feet out. I just think that Steph gave his teammates opportunities to be in one-on-one situations, and they took advantage of it. So that's the true measure of a player. Individually, obviously, you want to get up numbers and stats. That's what they're paying you $100 million for. But secondly, if it's not your night, how much better can can you impact the game without having the ball in your hands? And Steph did that last night. Got his guys opportunities to score. And, and, that's, and that's the consummate teammate. And that's why he's respected the way that he is by everyone in basketball. Well, Coach, you said it was going to be a seven-game series. Are you sticking to that at this point? Do you think Golden State can go into Boston and win game six, or are we, in fact, headed for a game seven? I think I think it's, I think think it's it'll be over Thursday night. I really think that the Warriors are, will pull it out uh, on Thursday night. You know, the only disappointing thing, they won't get to celebrate uh, in the Chase Center <laughs> there in the Bay. But I think they're gonna celebrate in Boston, which could be a little could be a little dangerous because we know how their fans are a bit rambunctious and they're not they're pretty sore losers. But I think the Warriors close it out Thursday night, and I think we'll have their fourth their fourth championship in the last seven years, which was very impressive. Well, Coach, hey, I certainly appreciate your time and your insight, and we all look forward to Game Six and and maybe Game Seven. Maybe if there's a Game Seven, we may catch up with you one more time. But we certainly appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, Devin. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. want to thank Coach Smith for joining us, as always. You know, always, even during the course of a conversation about the NBA Finals, he always drops these nuggets that make me want to go out and play for him. I just might have some eligibility left. and Maybe I, maybe I can walk on. Maybe. I don't know, Coach. I don't know. No, I'm just playing. I'm not going to have them renaming the court because uh, I didn't had a heart attack and died after running horses. <laughs> so, hey, but it, it, nonetheless, his message is always inspiring. And he was right on point with Andrew Wiggins. So certainly appreciate that conversation. Give us your feedback on that on the sports line. With that, it's time for the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck. 
But I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you. You big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the player team entity, someone in or around the world of sports that we deem to be the big dummy or dummies of the episode. And I tell you what, nothing tastes sweeter than the tears of millionaires whining about something that's really insignificant to the rest of us. And I'm talking about this beef between the PGA Tour and the newly formed Live Tour backed by the Saudi government. So let's uh, let's get into this. So essentially, and then I know a lot of you guys are not golf folks, and I get it. So here's what we have. It, you can analogize this at, like uh, the NFL versus the USFL. So you have this upstart live tour, okay? But you have the established PGA tour. PGA tour is that's the tour. I mean, it's the United States tour. It's the probably the best tour in the world. I guess it is the best tour in the world. And but but they allow their players to play in other tournaments like the the british open and and in scotland and all over the world they they can go and play wherever they want to play except the live tour the live tour came through and said look we're about to pay these guys come join our tour we got a different format we're gonna pay out the ass you know four million dollars for first place even if you come in last you get a guaranteed 120,000. we are paying people like dustin johnson and phil mickelson money just to come aboard 200 million dollars for mickelson 150 reportedly 150 million for dustin johnson just to come play just to come play you don't even have to win anything just come play and boy, the PGA has responded by suspending 17 guys who went to go play on the live tour. So here's the deal, though. It's not that they're going to the tour, which it really essentially is that they're going to the tour. It's that, that oh, how can you take this blood money from this government that has so many human rights violations and abuses? And, you know, you just you're dancing with the devil and all of that. Right. This is what they say. And then Phil Mickelson is catching it the most because he essentially said, and he ran into, he ran into all sorts of problems because he said, look, if I leave, you know, yeah, I understand what they do to gay people and journalists like Khashoggi, who they murdered allegedly. And, you know, I understand what it is. And, you know, it, it is taking blood money. Well, after all is said and done, he was suspended or not suspended. He left the tour. He's gone into therapy and all of this and doing some self-examination behind those sorts of statements. But he came back took 200 million so here's the deal you have the nfl slash the pga and this upstart league and they are really crying and whining about it more rory mcelroy kepka brooks kepka at the uh, u.s open this week he's uh, he's just sick of answering the questions about this but here's the deal man you talk about these guys dealing with these entities in saudi arabia but doesn't the u.s government deal with the government of saudi arabia <laughs> i mean didn't the nba aren't they in bed and damn near fired del moray for saying something that pissed off the chinese government i mean there's no nobody has clean hands in this situation so don't try to take the moral high ground pga and rory mcelroy and say oh well, you you know you should want to compete against the best in the world well, didn't Phil Mickelson just win the U.S. Open? Uh, no, not the U.S. Open. He just won the PGA last year, right? Uh, didn't he just win that over you and others? I mean, here's the deal. While it's uncomfortable to have this upstart league dealing with that, those people that have done so many things, it's an uncomfortable situation. Bottom line is 
this is America. If you want to go and make that money, go make the money. There's, I mean, that no one has the right to stand on a moral high ground in this situation. If you're the PGA, all you have to do and all you can do at this point is try to make your players feel better about playing. I wouldn't have suspended the 17 that went. Let them play in both. I mean, who cares about playing in a uh, the, the the Toledo Open or the Greater Greensboro Open or or you know even the Houston Open? Who like like if I can go and make a guaranteed hundred and twenty grand? See, these are independent contracts. They don't have contracts, so they're not have they don't have any guaranteed money. You eat what you kill. If you win, you get paid. If you don't, you don't. And so here's an opportunity to say, okay, this is, we're playing fifty four holes. It's a whole different format. We got bonuses in there. And even if you come in last, you get $120,000. I, I just think, you know, them whining about it is a, really a dumb move. And to really go after them, trying to use some sort of moral high ground, makes all of you who are complaining about the Live Tour, out the PGA and Rory McIlroy specifically, you all are big dummies. You big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you some of the people you are dealing with some of your corporate partners PGA have dealings in Saudi Arabia or China or probably even Russia still so let's not let's not get into that let's just say hey man we are the established league we are the established standard for professional golf in the United States and in the world and that should be enough. And if it's not enough, then the PGA, you have work to do on purses and guarantees for guys and to make it a better situation. Until then, just STFU, man, please. And that's just how I feel about it. Uh, give me a take on that, 832-941-6614. That'll just about do it. But before I let go. Before I let go. I want to remind you guys, if you have music you want heard on the podcast, just email us, music at wagewordproductions.com. That's music at wagewordproductions.com. The genre doesn't matter. I want to remind you to give us a call on the sports line 24 hours a day, and we'll try to get you on the next podcast. In addition to that, tweet me at wagesword, W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D, and please join the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group on Facebook and join the fan page. Like the fan page, continue to share, comment, uh, talk about us spread the word thank you so so much but if you can't remember any of those things please remember these four things number one i don't do no favors after six o'clock in the evening two i ain't got no money three i'm not harboring any fugitives from justice and four bye <laughs> this has been the sports talk with devin wade podcast remember you can follow him on twitter at wade's word thank you for listening